Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 Ummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. A service department, whether it's inspections, routine, oil changes, um, and diagnostics, whatever, they will handle it. It's one-stop vehicle shopping. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. One man down, Schwarber's up. Schwarber's one for three. Fly ball, right center field. Going back is Gonzalez. It is gone! Two-run home run by Schwarber! And the Phillies have come battling back. They lead it 6-5. to five. And Tommy McCarthy with the call on uh, NBC Sports Philly as the Phillies break their losing streak and break through last night. Oh, they've got so, they have so much potential on offense, and they need it because they have to overcome their bullpen. Only 12 teams in Major League Baseball are over 500 right now. That's it. Tonight, it'll be Golden State and Boston opening game NBA Finals. Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, and Adrian Wojnarowski all out of Game 1 tonight because of COVID. So it's going to be Mark Jones and Mark Jackson tonight on the game. So, again, Mike Breen, he'd gone through the five days... He still did not get cleared this afternoon. Jeff Van Gundy, Adrian Wojnarowski, all out of the broadcast tonight uh, because of COVID. So Mark Jones will be the uh, play-by-play announcer tonight with uh, Mark Jackson on the game. And for the NBA, with all due respect to the Sixers, you love the Sixers, you love them, you love them, you love them. But for the NBA, their best ratings possibility happens to be the series they ended up with. Golden State and the Celtics. If they can get between, you know, because it's been under $10 million per the last three finals, 19, 20, and 21, it's been under $10 million per. Celtics and Golden State can probably generate 12 to $15 million per game. If it goes seven, it'll get up higher than that. We'll see. All right. Uh, let's talk about college football now. 
uh, and about mostly name, image, and likeness, and that's with Ivan Mazel, one of the best in the business, uh, without question. And uh, from on3.com, my friend, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Steve. I, I have to point out that you know Stanton might be 340 home runs but behind Ruth, but Albert Pujols is only about 30 behind him. So. Yeah, how about that? I, yeah. <laughs> how about that? Pay closer but, attention to that. Yeah, I'd pay a lot closer attention to that. And now he is not doing bad for the Cardinals this year. All right. No, I, well, it's a DH in the National League. Yeah. You know, if, it, if it meant that we got to watch him for another year, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, so we are 11 months into name, image, and likeness, and, of course, the freedom <laughs> of the transfer portal. Yeah. Uh, and yesterday... Run away! Yes, and yes, and Ryan Day was speaking yesterday on NIL to a group in Columbus, and the, he said that he believes that it would it takes $13 million for him to keep his roster together. So is this model... In your opinion, sustainable? This model, no, of course not. Uh, you know, and, and I don't know. I don't know what the alternative model is, and neither does anybody else. That's the problem. You know, nobody can really. Uh, everybody I ask says we don't know what we're going to do, but this model is not sustainable, and and I believe them, and and. You know, David Shaw said to me, the coach at Stanford, you know, the guys we ask for money have money because they're good at business. And if we go and ask them for money to give to a player, and then that player leaves after a year, and we go back to them and say, well, we need more money for another player, they're going to say, you know, those guys like return on investment. You know, so... Uh, you know what happened to the player I gave you the money for the last time? You know, so uh, it, it's it's problematic, and I, I'm not smart enough to know how to fix it. And so far, I hadn't found anybody else who is either. No, I I agree with you. I have no answers on this uh, because when name, image, and likeness came up, Ivan, I thought that okay. If you know, a car dealership, hey, you know, right. Ivan Mazel for whatever motors. Okay, great. Uh, you know, and, you, and to me, that was name, image, and likeness. I never, env- yeah. I never envisioned this. And I don't think any. I, I think. Uh, I don't think anybody else did, except you know, if you look at the history of college football, fans and coaches have done whatever they need have stretched the rules in whatever shape they've needed to stretch them and sometimes broken those snap the rules uh, in order to win and it, it is a unique feature of this sport or maybe of college sports because people in professional sports by and large don't break these kind of rules uh, and you know that that's another topic of why pro sports seems to have discipline and college sports don't but uh, it's it's a chocolate mess right now, and you know nobody is against kids getting money, uh, but I think everybody is for guardrails and and rules. And 
you know, I, I heard uh, Rick Neuheisel say this week on his show, you know, it, it, it's not so much, and what he was saying is it's not so much that you're against the players getting money, but if you let this play out, all those schools that can't keep up of the 131 schools that can't keep up, say, 80 to 100 of them, you know, if all of a sudden they just throw up their hands, you know, that's a lot of kids getting scholarships that are no longer getting scholarships. You know, so, or, what and what I think will happen, now that that we're talking about this, is there will be something between the FBS and the FCS where, you know, you're not the you know, you're not the 30 to 50 schools that are willing to pay $13 million a year or whatever that number will be in 10 years, but they still want to have a national championship and they still want to play football. Uh, you know, you're, you're not the Ivy League, you're not the FCS, but you're, you know, and, and again, I don't know what shape that takes, you know, to curb, you know, the, quote, free market. So it's... Uh, it's a problem, Steve, and, and if the NCA had been willing to pull its head out of the sand yes. over the last 10 years and and give up, you know, a quarter of a loaf or a half a loaf, we wouldn't, you know, they, they wouldn't have made people so angry that they would have sued, and, you know, I don't think, and we wouldn't be in this situation. But that's, you know pointing fingers at this point doesn't really do any good. Right. Uh, We have seen basketball coaches, prominent ones, leave. Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski retired, Jay Wright surprised everybody, stepped aside. Is there a concern on your part that in this current system we might see some college football coaches look around and say, geez, I don't know about this? Oh, they're they're already saying that. And uh, I mean, I wrote a column a couple of weeks ago and in which I talked to Todd Berry, who runs the American Football Coaches Association, and he fully expects an exodus of coaches uh, over the next, what, you know, what, 12 to 24 months. Uh, you know, that's my time frame. But he basically he said, yeah, th- that's coming. Because, uh, you know, you, you've, you've operated under one set of rules for your entire career, and now all of a sudden those rules uh, don't, you know, they're not operable anymore. You know, somebody said this week in Destin at the SEC meetings that the younger coaches kind of just went, yeah, we'll we'll adjust. And it was the older coaches, you know, like a 70-year-old Nick Saban saying, you know, we need to do something about this. And, you know, and that's I guess that's since time immemorial. You know, the, the, you know, a 39-year-old Eli Drinkwitz yeah. is just going to adjust, and you know, uh, because he's not as fully invested in the way we've always done things, and and th- and that's a good reminder, you know, for guys like me and you who have been around for a while, you know, yeah. that the sport constantly changes, you know. The SEC going to nine games, looking as if they're going to join mm-hmm. the you know three of the other four major leagues, and and there'll be some rivalries that get paired back. But if we've learned nothing else over the last thirty plus years, schools don't care about rivalries. You know, if if they can balance the budgets, 
by playing somebody else. You know, and good point. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, that's a really good point, exactly. Because the next element that's going to come up, I think, news-wise, is going to be probably the Big Ten's television contract. And we yeah. we know the SEC, uh, their new TV contract with ESPN kicks into gear starting in twenty four. This contract would kick in for the Big Ten starting uh, thirteen months from now. What kind of separation financially? Is that going to create between the Big Ten, the SEC, and anybody else? And what do you think that potentially does for the sport? Well, I don't think it's good for the sport as a whole if you've got, you know, 30 teams in two leagues making double what everybody else is making, you know, and, and uh, in terms of revenue, uh, you know, We've always we've always paid homage to the idea of the level playing field, and tried to shape the rules so we can the field can be as level as is possible. Uh, the playing field has never been level, and uh, this is the logical conclusion to that. You know, uh, and I think. Where we're going is, as you you know, quoted Ryan Day, if, if people are paying out that kind of money under these rules, it's going to be most if well, it'll be let's say the 30 teams in the SEC and the Big Ten, including Texas and Oklahoma, Notre Dame, USC, uh, you know, probably some teams in the Pac-12, but not all. Uh, a couple of teams in the Big 12, but not all. Maybe all, but I think we'd struggle to get past 50. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree. Yeah, and, but you know, then then it gets interesting as to who you know are they still going to go play the you know uh, you know whoever the whatever we call what are we going to call it Division One B you know are, are they still going to play those schools probably but you know. Does that you know? Does that count the same? You know, if you play, you can only play one FCS team a year. You know, how many of those can you play? It's uh, you know because one thing about being in a thirty or fifty team uh, division, if if you're going to limit your schedule to mostly those teams, you're going to lose more than you lose now. You know, so uh, I don't know. It's it's all fascinating to watch the sport evolve, uh, and I, I worry about whether the appeal of college football will be lost in all of this. Uh, but you know that just comes back to uh, having faith in the fact that everybody roots for laundry, and, and yeah. I think yeah. I, you know, I, I think that will withstand this because it's withstood everything else for 153 years you know so uh i think that will survive but i don't know college sports above all is in terms of the fans because of the transient nature of it anyway even in a normal cycle four or five years the fan bases have always gravitated to the front of the jersey and not the back the back makes it more fun but the front gets them in the building I mean, that's how I've looked at it over the years. Well, I think you're right, Steve, but one thing that worries me on that subject is I think basketball suffered 
when teams stop being able to develop to develop over three or four years when you know you when are, stars were are one and done. You are correct. Are yeah, I agree with you because nobody knows who's on a team until and nobody pays attention until March, mm. uh, by and large. Uh, we're beginning to get there with football. You know, trying to remember who's on what team now, and you know, and it's not a lot of kids that are in that are you successfully using the transfer portal. It's you know, what is it? I don't know, two or three hundred, maybe four. I, I I don't know, not a lot. Uh, you know, but still, you know, somebody asked me a question about Michigan, and I you know, I, and and I had to go look and see who was still on the team. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's not uh, that's disconcerting, and and maybe it's just again, I've got to get used to this new reality. But uh, I think the sport may suffer some because of that. Well, I'm going to close out by saying to everybody out there, uh, I think it's a must to get. It's it's entitled "I Keep Trying to Catch His Eye," and it's a memoir oh, of you. loss, grief, and love. And of course, you know Ivan Mazel about his wonderful son Max. So, uh, and your journey since, and uh, I, I hope that uh, in writing it, there was, there was some of it. Some of it was at least therapeutic. Uh, yeah, probably, Steve. It was not cathartic. I, you know, people have asked me that, and I, I feel like I had to kind of get the work done before I was able to write it and I didn't like the idea of being catharsis you know but uh, it's really a story of Max died seven years ago and and how I learned to live with grief and and move on and and you you just pick up as much of him as you can carry with you and keep going because you really don't have a choice and that that's what the the book is about and again it's entitled I keep trying to catch his eye a memoir of love loss grief and love ivan as always thank you so much appreciate your time appreciate you all right steve thanks look forward to seeing you soon yep same here okay bye-bye ivan mazel on three.com and what he went through is he and his family what they've gone through is impossible it's but you somehow have to have to get through it somehow and and somehow move forward and that's what they've been doing all right we will come back with more in a moment great to have you with us today brought to you by Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com here on news radio 1070 WKOK Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. 
will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the mm. out of auto repair. All right, uh, one more half hour to go. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Elmo's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Is it the eighth inning? Why would he say that? That's because they always play this in the eighth inning of Fenway Park. That's the reason why. All right. So the conversation with Ivan Maisel, and he's absolutely one of the best in the business. We talked about the name, image, and likeness part and about collectives. Because my biggest misjudgment in name, image, and likeness happen to be collectives. I never imagined that that would be part of the mix. To me, name, image, and likeness was going to be, and still is, but the ability to, hey, the offensive line's going to be here tonight, uh, signing... Uh, Autographs and you know and you know and privately you make sure each one is compensated for being there, or hey you know come on out, you know, I'm Sean Clifford for pick entity. And, but I think he brought up a very interesting point, and the interesting point that he brought up. was this conversation with David Shaw, the coach at Stanford. And it does go to a point I have made before about um, about business and investment. Any business will tell you that when they go in the direction of having somebody represent them as a spokesperson. They want return on that investment. Okay. And you're hoping that the campaign hits. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Chris Paul for State Farm. Today, they're still doing that. They've expanded it a little bit. But that's what they're doing with it. Now let's flip it to the other side. They talked about DJ Uyunglele for Dr. Pepper. I saw the commercial once, and that was it. Why? Dr. Pepper, he was not having a particularly great season. Neither, by the way, by Clemson standards, was Clemson. And I only saw the commercial one time. Okay. Now, you look at this. Uh, And I'll give you another example of 
of investment. The other on investment, um, everybody's going obviously with the crypto craze right now. And crypto right now, like other um, investments, has gone through its struggles. At one point, Bitcoin was between sixty and seventy thousand. Right now, I think this morning I saw it was at twenty-nine thousand. That's an example. I know a friend of mine that's in Ethereum, and he, and Ethereum has dropped down as well. Okay, remember the commercials back during the Super Bowl, Matt Damon for crypto. You know, as you haven't seen that commercial of late again, they must you know, has yeah, you know, and it has nothing to do with him promoting it, but they're thinking, okay, things aren't going that great. We need to come up with a different way of doing it. That's what I mean about return on investment. So what he brought up was the conversation with David Shaw. And in the conversation with David Shaw, he says, every time I sit there and I'm looking and talking with business leaders like Ryan Day and Gene Smith were doing yesterday in Columbus, talking about their collective, he said they all he said for the most part they all have the same bottom line they want return on their investment. So what is to keep So if you're being asked let's take round numbers here. You're someone that's that's successful and in being successful um you've got the money to To, in, to invest in your in your favorite sport, in this case football, and you want to put a hundred thousand dollars into the collective with the idea that your hundred thousand is going to specifically go toward a specific player. So I pick Kevin Her quarterback. Kevin Her quarterback is my guy. Okay. Um, and what happens if after a year, for whatever circumstances, Kevin Her quarterback decides to transfer? And okay, so Kevin Her quarterback decides to transfer. Okay. Well, now I'm being asked to put another 100000 in next year. Well, I'm looking around, I'm saying, well, wait a minute. I put 100000 in this year with the idea of Kevin Hurd quarterback, and he's now transferred to Oklahoma. Well, why, why do you want me to put... I didn't get back my investment on what I put in the first time. See, that's what you might run into with with some people. I put the money in and I didn't get back what I hoped. This is where the leveling off will take place. Now there are some people that no matter what are putting money in and they're and they've got a lot of money to begin with and they're just putting the money in to put the money in because and they're not looking for a return. And there are people that are like that. They are not looking for a return. 
their return is the fact that they are deeply invested in what's going on with the football or the basketball team. I was asked earlier today, well, you know, what about collectives for track? You can have it. I mean, you can have that. But realistically, isn't the payoff for like track and field or whatever the fact that football and basketball are doing well enough and bringing in enough money so that you can have the track and field team? And by the way, I mean, they need the money more than anybody because the vast majority of those who are in track and field, as an example, uh, the vast majority are on partial scholarships. So they leave with loan debt. It is, uh, it's interesting times. And we're only 11 months into this. And it's amazing. Uh, that it has spiraled the way it has. There isn't a single person I know that is against athletes getting name, image, and like this money. I just never counted on the collective part. Never did. And That's the part that I looked around and said, you got to be kidding me, really? If you'd asked me a year ago about that, because, you know, I usually in this spot, I think over the years we've done a pretty good job of anticipating a lot of elements for you between TV contracts, gambling. Uh, we talked a lot about name, image, and likeness for a couple of years before it came out. We talked about transfer portals. All, you know, so we've done a good job of it on the show of anticipating a lot of the big issues that have happened in college. But we talked about the New Jersey case for years before the Supreme Court gave the thumbs up to New Jersey, which opened up the door to gambling. We talked about it for years. Talked about the Alston case for years before it came to fruition a year ago. We talked about the O'Bannon case for years until finally it got solved in, in favor of O'Bannon. For years. So in other words, we've been, a, we've been ahead on that. When it comes to name, image, and likeness, yeah, we were ahead talking about that. And yes, we were correct when it came to talking about, hey, you know, the, the tavern downtown wants you, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe, you know, somebody else wants, you know, or the, the players are going to sign autographs. You know, all that's what I expected. But not collectives. I never dreamed. Never even crossed my mind about collectives. I completely missed, completely missed on that. And that's the part where the spiral is. And I never thought about that. Never did. And then when John Ruiz came out right away and got everybody in the Miami football team into a deal, I said, I never anticipated that either.
And what's the key to getting more money? Right now, it's transferring. (laughs) It's uh, the college sports fan has forever been attracted to the front of the jersey. The name in the back of the jersey adds more juice to it. But there's always been the transitory nature of college sports anyway. Hey, look, they're going to be here three to five years. So you always had the front of the jersey to always make sure that you were where your rooting interest was. But it's also becoming more difficult for the fan to be attached to the players that you have. John, why, why is John Harris so beloved? John Harris is so beloved because, A, he just plays his backside off every single play. Fans love that. And he stayed here for five years. He was in the portal. He was in the portal. And he had a lot of interest in the portal. Like, not a little. He had a lot. And some big-name schools in the portal were after him. He elected to stay. And so he's a beloved figure because of how he plays and the fact that he was here for five years. And fans became attached to him. Just like fans have become attached to all so many players over the years. Attached to Kurt Warner, attached to Todd Blackledge, attached to Bruce Clark. Attached, you know, you can go through the long list of great players here. You know, Calvin Booth was just here a couple for a couple of days. Calvin Booth, right? And fans attached to him. I had Joe and John Crispin and Tyler Smith on the show. Fans are attached to them. Kajana Carter, fans attached. OJ McDuffie, fans attached to him. Right? LeVar Arrington. LeVar may have been here three years, but they're attached to him. He spent three years here. Are you going to get that as much? Can you attach yourself? How attached are Duke fans in reality to Zion Williamson? He played one season and didn't play every game that season. Play one year. How attached are you? How much more attached are Duke fans to Johnny Dawkins, who played for four years, as opposed to Zion Williams, who played for most of one? I don't know. This is very interesting. And it's hard to predict what they're going to do. And do you break away and have 50 in a 1A setup and have the other um, 71 in a uh, in a 1B setup. I don't know. And then after that, you got FCS. I don't know. That's why Ivan and I talked about that in the previous half hour. There's just so many elements you can't predict. All right. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. interesting on WFAN um, earlier this week, Craig Carton is one of the afternoon hosts says uh, he's talking about play-by-play announcers I thought this was 
interesting. He says that uh, play-by-play announcers are, quote, out of touch. He said they've not never bought a ticket to a game, so they have no idea what it might be like. He says, I always say that when you become a play-by-play broadcaster, you've lost touch with the average fan because you get paid to go to games. You have no idea what it's like to buy a ticket to Yoda bobblehead night because they give you the Yoda bobblehead. See, I turn them down. <laughs> What's interesting about that is, is that now I, I, I'll speak for myself, obviously. I spend a lot of time, well, I'll spend some time before the game and a lot of time after the game in the parking lot with fans. I'll spend time, I'll walk around the Jordan Center, stop, talk with fans. Spike's game, the middle three innings, I'll walk around the concourse. I know I'm going to get stopped by people. I understand that, but you want to, you know, just want to talk to them. Uh, so, I don't think, and I talk all the time about the fan experience on this show, all the time, all the time. I talk about the fan experience, about the drive, you know, going to the store and buying your tailgate supplies. Uh, you know how much it costs for gas and driving in, trying to fight traffic, getting to the parking spot, setting. I do that that all the time. So I don't know what he's talking about. Play by play broadcasters probably more in touch with the fans than, than the talk show host who sits in the studio and just talks. Then watches Gary Cohen on TV doing the game. Now, if you think I'm out of touch, tell me. And seriously, you think I'm out of touch, tell me. You're not going to get much of a chance to tell me now when the show's over. <laughs> By the way, the athletic director at Texas A&M has demanded that the Southeastern Conference have the first game between Texas and Texas A&M, has demanded that the game be in College Station. I don't blame them. They went to the SEC first. Why not? Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Elmsworth, and online at sunburymotors.com.